You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Good morning. Welcome to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. As we get deeper into the NFL season, we are now well and truly into the run home. We're a quarter of the way into the uh, NHL season. We're deep into the in-season tournament in the NBA and in college football, the championship, the conference championship title games this morning. So much to talk about around American sports and alongside myself to do it uh, all again with us live from New York is the Chief. Morning, Chief. How are you? Oh, very good, Jordy. Good morning. What's been catching your eye this week? How have you spent it? Oh, quite busy. You know, we're entering the holiday season. So uh, actually Tuesday night went to the Knicks game. They hosted the um, Charlotte Hornets. Went with a Aussie mate of mine from, who was in from Perth. And then uh, uh, hung out uh, Thursday night with 12 Australians. So it was myself and, and 12 Australians. I'm an honorary member of the quote-unquote New York City Australian Mafia. <laughs> but uh, just a lot of different characters. And um, yeah, it was a fun week. And a lot of Australians here in America. So oddly enough you were the odd one out in your own home city yeah yeah but uh considering all of my close ties to your country i'm, I'm honorary australian uh, with that group <laughs> uh now are you a uh, before we get stuck into the sport are you a christmas tree up on december 1st kind of guy no no I, I you know i don't really have a whole lot of guests so i i don't uh really decorate i'm very <laughs> bad at general decorations anyway um but growing up, it was obviously a big part. Not, not necessarily December first, whenever fit the schedule, but it was a big deal, obviously, to put the tree up back at home. And uh, uh, unfortunately, now, yeah, mom and dad don't have the big Christmas tree; they're <laughs> older. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, do love the Christmas season, and, and it's great to be here in New York City, where it, it just gets mobbed. So many places just packed because uh, groups of people getting together. Uh, now let's get stuck into the sport, as we always do. Our star of the week from the last seven days in American sport. Who's been the standout for you? Well, I'm just going to go a couple uh, couple nights back to uh, uh, teammates, Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb, who have just both had phenomenal years. Uh, CeeDee Lamb really taking a, a next step into the upper echelon of uh, wide receivers in the NFL uh, and Dak Prescott, a f- fantastic game, 299 yards, three touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys had to win a shootout over the Seattle Seahawks, 41-35. Um, the Dallas defense, really for the first time, um, all, first time all year at home, uh, were ineffective. But this is the first really good team they've played at home. So, uh, But the Cowboys' offense proved that, that they could keep up uh, if their defense fails. I'll go with the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers for the first time this season. They outgained their opponent, and it came off the back of uh, their sacking of the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, the week earlier. And they got the win only by six points as well against Cincinnati. It was a low-scoring game against the Bengals last week, so 16-10. to 10. Um, but it was just from the first, um, the first match after sacking their offensive coordinator, you started to see already... Uh, some improvements being made in, in those areas uh, on the offense for, for Pittsburgh. They had over 400 yards in the game. As I said, they outgained their opponent by almost 200 yards in the match. And to, obviously, the Bengals don't have Joe Burrow right now, so they're not at their strongest and they won't be for the rest of the season. But at least the little steps are in place. And it's not as if they're in a world of hurt, the Steelers. They are in a playoff position right now, but um, but they can now... Uh, hopefully for their sake, strengthen their position as we get closer to the uh, to the back end of the season. So 
Um, our stars of the week this week, Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb for Dallas, who were uh, involved in a great game the other day in th- on Thursday Night Football. Um, let's chat a bit about that quickly. 41-35, to 35, uh, the Cowboys beat the Seahawks uh, chief. And uh, it was a highly entertaining game. A lot of flags in the game. Uh, credit to both teams, though, for, for making it. Uh, what it was in in the uh, the entertaining uh, performance, um, in despite of the flags. Uh, what did you make of Thursday night football the other day? Yeah, I, I said you know the fact that the that Dallas offense can can really uh, perform even when the defense wasn't good is a, is a great sign going forward for them. And just really, Dak Prescott, you know, he's got a lot of doubters because sometimes in big games. He's faltered, but, you know, Thursday Night Football, National League TV, that's a big game. He performed uh, really well. Um, yes, the number of penalties called uh, really got to be a, a burden and a burden on the game, and it's, it's tough. And it's, you're hearing after the end, it really needs to kind of be somehow taken out, but you can't because otherwise every wide receiver would grab on every play and every uh, left tackle would hold on every play. <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to coach better, but... I don't know how to solve that problem, and, and obviously the NFL doesn't either. Um, you'd love to see less penalties. You'd love to see uh, the players making the, the play. There's nothing worse than seeing a, a great play, a highlight real play, and then the yellow flag, and that didn't occur. You know, It's not real. It, it, we saw it happen, but it doesn't count. And uh, it's not, not much you can do you know, other than really be more uh, scrutinous with the officiating and maybe having some video backup, being able to help live almost on every play. Do you think all those flags were there, though? I know you say you have to you have to flag the ones that are there, and obviously that's that's fine. If there's going to be 50 flags in a game, but all those 50 flags are, you know, merited, then that's fine. I can live with that. But it's, you know, were, were some of the penalties in that game a little soft? There was a couple of penalties there for pass interference where the cornerback just put their hand on, on the nameplate, it seemed, of the wide receiver and the wide receiver went down and it was given a flag, but it wasn't really interfering with the, the route. Yeah, you know, by the letter of the rule, it probably is a flag, uh, you know, and again, the different official won't call it. You know, it's, it's so much judgment. And that's what's unfortunate about, uh, you know, the game of football and a lot of the, you know, it's a lot of sports where the, the officiating has such a strong um, influence in the game. It's um, like games that are, you know, uh, you know, cricket, tennis, baseball, you know, have kind of an advantage because there's not a lot of uh, judgment calls where you have fouls and you have, um, uh, just, just, did you make enough contact? Did that little grab of the hip, that little turn of the hip, did that have, would the receiver have caught the ball if that didn't happen? You just can't know, and it, it, it's just tough. So uh, I think it's something that I think you can maybe improve a little bit with uh, video review and having some sort of uh, maybe some more clearer lines on what is a foul and what isn't. Well, speaking of um, penalties and, and regulation, during the week, about a week ago actually now, Tom Brady uh, was on uh, Stephen A. Smith's program and spoke about mediocrity uh, in the NFL. We've got the audio here. We'll play it and, uh, and we'll talk about it on, off the back. There's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. Yeah. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. Why not? And ho- Why not? I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm-hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way. And every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. 
Mm. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily, why don't they talk to their player about how to protect themselves? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to a defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were going to get knocked out. Tom Brady with Stephen A. Smith there on uh, on mediocrity creeping into the NFL. That was about a week ago. It became more of a talking point during the week when everyone had their say. And Micah Parsons on his podcast had a, had a big response to that. And he agreed with it as well. Um, I, I agree with that in, in part. I do think that there is a uh, there is maybe over-regulation in the NFL and, um, you know, certain plays are being uh, – or certain players are being protected more than others and certain actions in the game are being um, phased out. Um, I agree with that part. But I also agree with the opposite point of view in that, well, maybe we need to phase out some of those heavy hits and dangerous plays because of the injuries that we're seeing and the long-term effects those uh, those hits are having. Where do you sit on that? Do you think there is mediocrity creeping into the NFL because of the rules that are being applied, Chief? I don't think it's so much because of the rules. I think the the biggest problem is the uh, the position that Tom Brady played in quarterback and how there's a lot of teams that just have big, huge holes at that position. And if you don't have a quarterback of, of at least a certain level of quality, um, you just don't have a team. You can't go out there and perform as an offense. Um, and you look down the list and, you know, I see a couple TBDs. Those are, are tough when you have a quarterback. And one of those TBDs is Cleveland and Joe Flacco, who was on his couch 10 days ago. So I think that's a big part of the mediocrity is that the, the quarterback play. And there's, there's no more – the starting of the protection of players was Tom Brady. And Tom Brady yeah. was the one that they protected the most. If people – he was really the guy that when he got injured – just the one see, but you know they wanted to protect him late in his career because he was just so marketable. And how important it is to protect the quarterback. Now it's also important to protect wide receivers going over the middle who are risking their lives on every play. So uh, I, I, you know, I grew up watching the player with Tom Brady and I around the same age. I grew up watching those same players that he mentioned and Ronnie Lott and Dave Rayla. And, you know, a lot of those hits cause serious damage to players that we're trying to uh, eliminate. So, um, I think Tom Brady is right in a lot of it. I think that there is some mediocrity. I think a lot of it, too, is that the teams don't practice as much. There's a lot of rules on that now. Um, and also, uh, but I think the biggest thing is the quarterback position is mediocre in, in so many cases. And, and it's hard to watch fun games when um, quarterbacks uh, aren't able to make that. The, the, most, the, the thing that's special about football is the forward pass. And you know, that's why I like you know, American football. And I, you know, I prefer Australian rules football to rugby because of that forward pass. Yours is off the foot, ours is off the hand. But there's nothing more beautiful than a really long pass completed. You know? So uh, you have a quarterback who can't do that. It's hard to watch a football game. Week 13 of the NFL season. So six weeks to go before we reach the playoffs and uh, the playoff picture has become a little clearer in the AFC. It's still a bit murky in the NFC. So there's a lot to play for as always, as we get now deeper into the back half of the season. And as we start our week 13 preview chief, let's uh, have a look at the game to watch this week. I think probably the, uh, the highest build game of the week will be the San Francisco 49ers against the Philadelphia Eagles. This game is in the middle window on uh, Sunday, your time, Monday morning, our time. It'll be about 8.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time and uh, a match which uh, could potentially be the NFC Championship game here. 
Yes, uh, revenge game for the San Francisco 49ers being eliminated by the Philadelphia Eagles last year in the playoffs. And um, the big thing that jumps out is San Francisco are three-point favorites in this game in Philadelphia. So uh, the betting public, the market, believes that uh, San Francisco is the much better team and are favored by three points on the road. Philadelphia is just doing enough to win every week. And last week it was a 59-yard field goal at the end of regulation to send the game into overtime. Um, they lose the coin toss. The Buffalo Bills drive down the field, can't complete a play into the end zone, um, kick a field goal, and then the Philadelphia Eagles go drive down and score a touchdown to win. And just a phenomenal game, probably the game of the season last year. And once again, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, go to 10-1 and with their, their only loss being to the New York Jets, which is just completely shocking when you, you think about it like that. But, uh, yeah, this should be a great game. San Francisco on a roll. They just keep rolling with that great offense, uh, winning uh, an easy game last Thursday night. So they got an extended break, too. Um, this fits into the time window. Playing in the afternoon is a 1 o'clock uh, Western uh, Pacific Daylight Time game. So uh, just really everything lining up for uh, San Fran to get the revenge. You think they will? I, I do. Uh, I, but I've been down in Philly all year. I thought Buffalo was going to win last week. It looked like they did. <laughs> Some rough calls. A.J. Brown may have fumbled in that final drive, probably giving the win to the to the Buffalo Bills. Um so, uh, I, you know, I do like San Fran to win this game. San Francisco and the Philadelphia Ooh. Eagles highlighting week 13 of the NFL season. Denver take on Houston as well. This is a, has, has now become a, a really good game on paper uh, off the back of what Denver have done in the last five weeks. Five wins in a row for the Broncos, including some big scalps against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Buffalo Bills and uh, even Minnesota, I suppose, are going all right, even though they don't have Kirk Cousins anymore at quarterback. But five wins in a row, you can only beat who's in front of you, and they've been getting wins. Houston have been getting wins as well, though they lost last week for the first time in a month against the Jacksonville Jaguars by three points, but still in the playoff hunt. And, and these two teams in the early window, so it'll be one of the games for broadcast on the NFL, uh, on SEN's NFL coverage tomorrow morning. Um, but the Broncos and the Texans, both six and five, and, and this is now a uh, a great game with, um, even though we're six weeks out, some playoff ramifications. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't have thought that before the season with the Houston Texans, and you certainly wouldn't have thought that <laughs> a month ago with the uh, Denver Broncos, who won five straight. Uh, tough loss last week for the Houston Texans. Uh, they had a chance to send the game into overtime with a 58-yard field goal. Uh, not in driving rain like the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Jake Elliott made. Um, no, their kicker uh, hit the crossbar and actually was cut this week. So uh, kicker change in Houston after that. Uh, yeah, if you, you know, indoor kickers should be able to make a 58-yarder in this, this day of the NFL. They should have that range in uh, Houston changing kickers. This is just, yeah, a really strong game with um, a veteran quarterback who's won a Super Bowl in Russell Wilson and a, and a young budding star quarterback in C.J. Stroud, who's a rookie. Uh, Houston favored by three at home. So bookmakers think Houston's, uh, they're even teams and Houston just getting the home field advantage. Um, this is a good one. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Denver, though, just with the veteran head coach and the veteran quarterback. Um, I think they can win on the road. And uh, I'm going to go with Denver to pull off the, the uh, slight upset. Yeah, I, I, I probably agree with that, actually. Houston have been great to watch this season, but I think the, uh, the experience will shine through. I'm, I'm with you on that one. 
now, after that, there's not as many sort of standout games on paper. So you're looking for the stories. And I think the Jacksonville-Cincinnati game has uh, a couple of stories in there. Obviously, Cincinnati with uh, with Jake Browning now at quarterback after the injury to Joe Burrow weren't that bad, I guess, last week. The offense lacked a little bit, only 10 points on the scoreboard. But they did restrict the Pittsburgh Steelers to 16 points with a uh, slightly improved offense on the Steelers' part. Um uh, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, off the back of their win against the uh, the Houston Texans, they've won, I think it's seven of their last eight games uh, going back to, to the first month of the season. Really, the Jaguars have been on a tear. I definitely expect the Jacksonville Jaguars to, to get up here. But um, there were some people that said, you know, Jake Browning wasn't that bad last week for the for the Bengals and maybe another week uh, on the practice fields and he might be able to, um, to put a higher score up this week. Do you have that faith or are you going Jacksonville comfortably? I'm going Jacksonville. I don't know. They're favored by nine points. I don't know if they win by double digits, but I do think they win this game at home. Jake Browning, though, he did throw a big interception. They were driving uh, in late in that game, and, and Cincinnati did have a very good chance to win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but just that Pittsburgh defense just makes a big play at the end of every game just to, to get the Ws late. But, uh, I, yeah, you got to like Jacksonville here. A nice, really good uh, road win against Houston, and... Uh, yeah, I, I, Monday night game, very rare uh, home primetime game, Monday night game for, for Jacksonville. They played some Thursday night games at home. But, uh, no, this is this will be a big game for Jacksonville. Those fans will be fired up. The uh, Detroit Lions take on the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have been uh, very inconsistent uh, again. Lost two, won two, lost two in the last six games. So off the back of a two-game losing streak against the Vikings and the Falcons, uh, the Saints come into this week. But the Lions now will want to get back on the winner's list. And this is probably the story of their week this week. Detroit off the uh, back of the loss to the Green Bay Packers. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, wanting that win again. They have to travel now to New Orleans. So going from, uh, from the north of the country down south. But um, I'm tipping Detroit here to get the road victory. Yeah, and they do have to get that extra rest because they play Thursday, uh, so they have um, 10 days rest. Uh, uh, New Orleans just with the regular one week's rest. Uh, this is a tough one. Uh, Detroit's favored by four, and I think they, they do probably win this game. Um, yeah, again, I don't trust Derek Carr, and uh, he's playing for New Orleans. Yeah, I, I'll go Detroit. Kansas City and the Green Bay Packers, uh, the Sunday night game, so 12.20 in the afternoon here in Australia, the Chiefs eight and three, the Packers five and six, a losing record, but winning form. They won three of their last four, and they're starting to find a bit of form. They beat the uh, the Lions last week, and and the two uh, LA teams in the month prior. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs still one of the better teams in the league, but maybe not at their absolute best. So they're trying to find their peak uh, the, as we get to uh, now the the back half of the season with six games to go. Uh, the Chiefs on the road or the Packers at home. Well, Chiefs big favorites here, six-point favorites. Uh, yeah, good good to see a Sunday night game. This is an interesting one. Uh, Jordan Love playing much better quarterback, really seeing some significant improvement. Uh, Greenbelt have the extra few days rest, having played that Thursday game and coming off a nice win. But it's good to have those extra few days. You're probably having fun and partying until the week, but then they should be back focused again. Um, yeah, I give, I give Green Bay a chance to maybe even pull off the upset, but I expect it to be a close game. Uh, Indianapolis and Tennessee, the Titans hosting this game. Both teams with uh, two quarterbacks who didn't start the season. Gardner Minshew for the Colts and uh, Will Levis for the Tennessee Titans. 
um, the Titans at home. But I, I think the, the Colts, who will be without uh, um, Jonathan Taylor, who's out for about three weeks, having had thumb surgery the other day. Uh, so no star running back for Indianapolis, but I still have faith in them uh, against uh, the Tennessee Titans in a uh, divisional match. Yes, uh, yeah, Indianapolis, the slightest favorites, one-point favorites uh, over Tennessee. I I would take Tennessee, just the home team, I think, has a a little bit of an edge here. So I'll take Tennessee, but it really is literally a coin toss game. The Chargers are in desperate need of a win, and this week is uh, should be a layup for them. They are four and seven, but they take on the Patriots, who are two and nine. And the story of the Patriots' week is that they have swapped their quarterbacks. Bailey Zappi will start this week for the Pats. He has had snaps this season. They've swapped quarterbacks mid-game uh, in 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 several games this season. Uh, but Bailey Zappi now has overtaken Mac Jones. I don't know if that's going to help too much. Uh, the Pats have been really ordinary, but the Chargers have been kind of ordinary themselves. They just have to win this week, the Chargers. They do, yeah. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. This is, again, a West Coast team playing on the uh, Eastern early schedule. That's not great for them, but, uh, yeah, the New England Patriots, they were coming off their bye week, four-point favorites, uh, kind of surprisingly against the New York Giants, and really the Giants dominated them. And if you ever thought the Patriots would have a good week, it was last week. So it's hard to imagine them to bounce back this week. I don't think the quarterback change does a whole lot for them. Uh, I'm still a big fan of Justin Herbert. Uh, I'm not a fan of their head coach, Brandon Staley. Uh, so it's a tricky one. I think the, the, the Chargers do win, but I, I wouldn't lay five and a half points. The New York Jets hosting the Atlanta Falcons. The Jets have, uh, they're on a four-game losing streak right now. The Falcons broke a three-game losing streak last week with a 24-15 win over New Orleans. And they go on the road this week uh, up to the uh, Meadowlands to take on the Jets. You're with the Jets here at home to break their streak, or the, do the Falcons pip them? No, I think you got to go with the Falcons. Just have a much better offense. They have a quarterback that at least has some capability. Uh, Tim Boyle of the New York Jets is showing really just, just no ability. Um, they were... You know, pretty much dominated by the Miami Dolphins on that Black Friday game, and uh, obviously uh, noted by the crazy 99-yard uh, hail mary, fail mary, hail mary, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I, I, you can't trust Tim Boyle in this, and yeah, I would go Atlanta to yeah. to win. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta is the easy pick for me as well. The Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are two and ten. They've lost two games in a row. Um, Kyler Murray back in, but uh, they were uh, very well beaten up on by the Rams last week, 37-14. to 14. Uh, And the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, having won three of their last four games um, at home. I think uh, the Steelers will just control this game. Yeah, Steelers six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I don't know if they can win by six-and-a-half because I don't know if they'll score enough to win by six-and-a-half. But, I, 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 well, the thing is, though, the, the Arizona Cardinals defense is really poor, and I think you did see a little bit of an improvement uh, in that Pittsburgh offense, as you mentioned, with the, uh, the change in offensive coordinator. Uh, just they, I feel like their running game should control. They, the Rams' running game last week just dominated the Cardinals, so I would think uh, the Steelers can should run all over them. And, and Kyler Murray has helped the offense, but the Steelers' defense still very, very strong. Yeah, you certainly expect uh, Pittsburgh to win. The uh, Miami Dolphins travel to Washington to take on uh, Washington, D.C., that is, to take on the command. Well, not technically. They play in Maryland, but uh, to take on the commanders. Uh, the Dolphins... Um, after a couple of losses, they found their form again with uh, some wins over 
teams that you should see as easy beats, the Raiders and the Jets in the last two weeks. And, uh, and this one probably is another easy beat win again uh, for the Dolphins. The Commanders are four and eight. They've lost uh, five of their last six games. And we had been talking about the Commanders this season, Chief, as a team who... You know, I've shown a little bit. Sam Howe's been okay, but they just haven't had the results. They've been losing more times than not. Than, than not. And uh, and the Dolphins, that high-powered offense, gets another weapon back this week. Devon Achan uh, should be ready to go again. So that adds to the uh, to the running back group for the Dolphins. And I think a, a road win is uh, is what they'll get this week. Certainly, certainly. And they're yeah nine point favorites, nine and a half point favorites. So the handicappers did they win by double digits or not? So that shows you how. Um, likely Miami is to win that game. But, you know, yeah, Washington has shown signs, and they were actually in that game uh, against the uh, Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and then it got just disgustingly ugly, and um, deep Dallas defense scored, and it just uh, they got really, really lopsided at the end. So I, I could see Washington keeping this close, but certainly expect Miami to keep rolling. They are beating teams they're supposed to beat, and uh, they should win this one. And the last two games we'll chat about, there's been a uh, couple of news headlines regarding each or two of these four teams during the week. The first game is Carolina against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs hosting this one. They're four and seven. The Panthers are one and ten. And the Panthers this week, they sacked their head coach, Frank Reich. So one, and this was his first season uh, in charge of the, um, of the Panthers, previously with the Colts, Frank Reich. But the shortest head coach tenure in the NFL in 45 years, lasting just 11 games at the Carolina Panthers, and he's been shown the door. So uh, a 1-10 in 10 season, uh, a lot of discontent about the development um, of Bryce Young, who's a talented quarterback but just hasn't quite come along as well as uh, CJ Stroud has or even Anthony Richardson in the couple of games he played at the start of the season. So Frank Reich out the door. Tampa Bay will go in his favourites, but uh, what would you make of the sacking of, uh, of Reich? Well, it just shows you that there's unfortunately a very clear-cut worst franchise in the NFL right now. It's the Carolina Panthers. Uh, The record, yeah, just the one win, and they don't have their first-round pick. So that first-round pick will be uh, the Chicago Bears, almost certainly going to be the first pick overall. So just a terrible situation in in Carolina. Frank Reich signed a four-year, $36 million contract, so he's going to get paid a lot of money, and he's still getting paid by the Indianapolis Colts as well. At the same time, yeah, he's going to be one of the, I think, the highest paid you know, coaches in the, in the, maybe in the world, um, not working. I mean, it's just crazy, uh, for, uh, the situation. And this is also not a good trend for Carolina. Um, they just, Matt Rule just fired the, uh, the uh, soccer team, the MLS team that David Tepper, the owner, owns the Charlotte team, has fired their head coach a couple times in the past. 18 months, so it's just not a good trend. And uh, just going forward, you're going to see, will a good coaching candidate even want to go there, especially with uh, definitely a lack of talent and then a hard time building with uh, without a first, what would be the first overall pick next year. And the last game is the Cleveland Browns at the LA Rams. The Rams hosting this one. The Browns this week, firstly, there was an injury concern over Miles Garrett with a shoulder concern. He had scans during the week, but he should be good to go. Uh, but uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's been quarterbacking now um, after the injury to Deshaun Watson, he's been ruled out for the season. Thompson-Robinson is out with a concussion this week, so the Browns were forced to sign another quarterback, and they've brought in veteran Joe Flacco, formerly of the Ravens and the Jets, 
and he's been uh, parachuted in to be their quarterback this week. So they've got at least someone with a bit of experience in there, even though he hasn't played for, I think, about a year and a half or two years now, Flacco. But uh, the Browns, having been well and truly in the race uh, and in that playoff picture, they're now slipping away, but Flacco's come in to try and steady the ship. I am tipping the Rams here, though. Yeah, it's hard not to. Uh, they're they're four-point favorites, uh, the LA Rams. They've been playing, you know, some... That much better football coming off a real easy win last week. And it's just hard to imagine that Joe Flacco can, you know, do, you know, really uh, much offensively. Uh, the Browns have a great defense. They have a, a good offensive line. But uh, just without, again, without the ability to really, I think, he's not going to be able to sit in the pocket for any amount of time. He's not going to be able to complete anything really deep. So, uh, yeah, I think the Rams uh, should definitely get the win. They're favored by four. I think they'll probably win by more than that. Uh, and just going back to that other one, yeah, Tampa Bay, three-and-a-half-point favorites over Carolina. Normally you get a boost uh, with the head coach. We saw that already with the firing uh, in uh, Las Vegas. But I don't know if you see it here with Carolina. I still go with uh, Tampa Bay minus three-and-a-half over Carolina. I think they're just so lacking. I don't even think they get the boost. There we go. Our week, <laughs> our week 13 preview. It's a bit ominous, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> our week 13 preview of the NFL season uh, there for you with the uh, the games kicking off tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. You can tune into that first window of games here on SEN with uh, myself and Ben Graham. We've done our NFL uh, preview. Let's chat a bit of college football because we are in the uh, conference championship uh, title week this week. So not, not the end of the college football season, not the overall playoffs, just the conference championship games and we've got uh we've got the uh, the conference games happening right now as a matter of fact now that the ones that are of interest are the uh, the power five conferences no disrespect to the group of five but the uh the the big five games uh, today the pac-12 game earlier this morning was won by oh, sorry yesterday i beg your pardon was won by washington 34 to 31 great game between the number three team washington and the number five team oregon and then earlier this morning was uh, texas uh, doing a uh, quite a healthy job over Oklahoma State, 49-21. to 21, So a big win for the Longhorns um, uh, earlier today. And right now we've got Georgia taking on Alabama in the SEC, maybe the uh, one of the most high-profiled uh, championship uh, title games for the week. And uh, right now in the first quarter, it's 7-3 to three in favour of Georgia, the number one team in the rankings. Alabama ranked at number eight. Um, yesterday's game... Chief, I don't know how much you caught of it, but Washington against Oregon, one of the great rivalries uh, in the Pac-12 and a great game as well with Washington uh, getting the win. And probably uh, they were already the number three team in the rankings, but that should be their playoff um, position booked now for the top four. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Washington Huskies, a, a University of Washington lock to be in the, uh, the college football playoff for sure. Um, they were third. They were actually nine-point underdogs to Oregon. Oregon, uh, they had the one loss, and the only loss was to Washington, but it was a very close game in Washington. Uh, the bookmakers and a lot of the, the wise guys, and I jumped on with the wise guys and was laying nine points with uh, Oregon and then lost like a lot of people did with that, play, trying to be a little too smart maybe. But Washington, uh, yeah, great game. They were up 20-3 to three, uh, right before the half. Oregon scored. Oregon scored 21 unanswered. But Washington was able to bounce right back. And Bo Nix, who was favored to be the Heisman Trophy winner before the game, now almost certainly won't be in. Uh, be Jaden Daniels from LSU, the likely winner of the Heisman Trophy. So a lot happened in just a handful of hours uh, uh, in Las Vegas where the uh, Pac-12 championship game was 
played. The last Pac-12 championship game ever is the Pac-12 will be no more as those teams will be now dispersed to other conferences. And uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, college football, college sports landscape changing. The other game that has completed was early this morning, Texas over Oklahoma State. As I said, an easy win for the Longhorns. It was a game that uh, unfortunately started off with a bit of uh, animal cruelty. There was a, a Longhorn cow found on the uh, lawn of a frat house at Oklahoma State, which um, added a bit of an unsavory element to this game. That became a headline about 24 hours ago. But Texas on the football field, though, pretty comfortable over Oklahoma State. And now we've got Georgia and Alabama on now. The Big Ten championship game is Michigan against Iowa. And uh, the ACC is uh, Florida State against Louisville uh, later on. Both of those games, the Big Ten and the ACC, starting at midday Australian time. Um, got any thoughts on, on the remaining three games from the Power Five? Uh, well, first, yeah, Texas getting that win. Yeah, great to see them get revenge off. Hopefully those kids will get in some serious trouble for that. That was just awful what would happen there. But Texas dominated. They need some help. They're going to need uh, Florida State uh, to lose to Louisville. Uh, if that were to happen and Georgia were to win, uh, chance uh, that we see Texas get into the playoff. They're hoping for that. Um, it looks, yeah, Georgia up 7-3 uh, to three early. Who knows how that game will go. Um, Alabama would need to win and get some help. Georgia still might be able to get in with the loss. It's still a lot of moving pieces. Michigan, they're 22-point favorites over Iowa, and with the total points being 35. So the over-under uh, for Iowa scoring is a touchdown. So the bet is, will they score a touchdown or more or less, is basically what Iowa's <laughs> handicap is. So everyone expecting you know Michigan to win and should win quite easily, and they will be in the uh, the playoff for sure. Um, so, yeah, a lot rides on the Florida State-Louisville game. That's a pick em game because Florida State lost their quarterback for the season, who's out. So, uh, tough situation for them, but still, yeah, a lot to be determined on the field in the next handful of hours. All right, that's our college football look for this week. So, just those games uh, and the, the championship title games this week as we get towards the end of the season now in the college football uh, scene. On to basketball now. The in-season tournament chief is into its playoff phase. In a couple of days, it'll start Milwaukee against the Knicks and Indiana against Boston, the 1v4, 2v3 in the East, and then the Lakers and the Suns, 1v4 in the West, Sacramento and New Orleans, 2v3 in the uh, in the West uh, Conference. Now, you've got a couple of teams you want to highlight who are on some streaks at the moment. So let us have it. Who do you want to put under the gun? Well, yeah, it's an old school, great movie. Let's go streaking. But uh, the Orlando Magic, who I was a bit dismissive of, a, a gentleman uh, texted in. And luckily, he got the six-pack of All-American Draft. And I was uh, just you know, a little dismissive of the Orlando Magic. They've won nine straight now. I think they had won two in a row. And uh, he had pointed them out. And they've just been on fire. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Franz Wagner, really, 30 points in the last three uh, – 30 points in each of the last three games. So uh, – on the upside, Orlando Magic. On the downside, Detroit Pistons have lost 16 in a row, and they're two and 17 for the year. Just, just awful for them. And uh, 14 losses in a row for the San Antonio Spurs. San Antonio Spurs are playing 19 games on national TV this year, and the Orlando Magic are playing one. So that'll be my excuse for being dismissive of the Orlando Magic. It's not my fault. It's the NBA's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the NHL, we are a quarter of the way into the season. I've been watching a bit of NHL. It's been my, my midweek um, entertainment uh, when I've been at home. Uh, now, on top of the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins, Florida Panthers. Uh, Panthers made the 
Stanley Cup Finals last year lost uh, in the Metro. It's uh, the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes on top. In the Central, the Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars, and in the pack, it's the Golden Knights and the Canucks. Uh, the Rangers down 1-0 at the moment against the Nashville Predators. This is on TV here in Australia, watching it in the first period. Um, just a general thought so far on, on how the, uh, the NHL season has started and, and which teams have stood out to you in the first quarter. Well, I, I watch pretty much every single Rangers game, so the New York Rangers uh, uh, have been fantastic. Change in head coach, really pretty much the same um, roster from the, the past uh, couple seasons, really, but a uh, huge step up. Uh, young uh, Alexi Lafreniere, who's the first overall pick a couple years ago, was really getting labeled as a bust. Um, really the most improved player in the NHL this year. So uh, certainly they've been great. And the Boston Bruins, not losing anything. Their, their superstar uh, captain, Patrice Bergeron, retired. I think a lot of people thought maybe they'd take a step back. They had such an incredible regular season last year. Uh, but the Boston Bruins just keep rolling. But, yeah, right at the top two, uh, the defending champions, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they're not going to want to give up the Stanley Cup. So uh, really kind of gone to form a bit. Um, you know, maybe the surprise team has been the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who's been fantastic um, this season. How, how um, But uh, really, the, yeah, the, the cream has rise to the top already in the first quarter of the NHL. Yeah, I was reading a couple of different articles this week that were doing power rankings after the first uh, quarter of the season and uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of outlets, I think ESPN, I think Bleacher Report, all had the Rangers on top as the number one team in the power rankings of the NHL right now. So uh, your uh, your boys are at the top of the tree, according to the experts. Quick mention to the MLS. I'm a big soccer man. Uh, the conference finals later on today, Cincinnati and Columbus, all Ohio matchup in the East and LAFC against Houston in the West. Uh, Chief, off the text, 0433981116. Nick says, is it true that you were once nominated for an Oscar in Hollywood? You are a man of many talents. Uh, yeah, no, technically I wasn't personally nominated, but I was an executive producer of a documentary called Trouble the Water uh, that chronicled Hurricane Katrina and the devastation in New Orleans. Uh, and that film was nominated for uh, an Academy Award in the documentary contest. We certainly came in second based off the betting odds. And Man on Wire actually won the Academy Award that year. It's a very famous documentary about a French tightwalk roper uh, who walked across oh, yeah. the World Trade Center. Yeah, but our film, Trouble the Water, um, it really chronicles the history uh, of, uh, well, it wasn't history then, but it is now Hurricane Katrina and the devastation. There we go, a bit of history off the text. Uh, Nick, you've, uh, you've, you've plucked that one out of uh, thin air. I don't know how you knew that, but well done. Uh, Chief, that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much, mate, and we'll catch up again next week. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Uh, you'll get the beer as well, Nick. Why not? That was a good, that was a great, uh, great little tidbit. Uh, All American Hour coming back next week. Catch you later.